40k book club this is episode number 18 in which we're discussing the carrion throne by chris Raitt. i'm jen bozier and i'm carrie honey and this is warhammer 40k book club where we read from a crag every episode we discuss a book we've selected from the black library's warhammer 40,000 catalog we post the book along with questions on our website wh40kbookclub.com listeners are able to read the book and then tune in and hear our discussion we encourage participation through twitter the site or encrypted box channel Spoiler warning, if you haven't yet read the book, go ahead and visit the site, check out the book, and then come back to this post as we'll be discussing the book from start to finish in great detail. As mentioned, this episode we're discussing The Carrion Throne by Chris Raitt. It's about a veteran inquisitor and his new interrogator as they navigate the difficult streets of Terra. First off, did you like this book? I don't know. <laughs> oh! I really liked it. Oh, see, I guessed the ending. <laughs> so... You guessed it was a dark elder? No, 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 no. I guessed that her confidant was. Oh, yes, I did as well. So that part, I was like, oh, she clearly has some part in this. And I, I don't know if we were supposed to. Well, I blame it on my husband watching NCIS reruns because I have learned watching that show that when anyone seems overly helpful, they're usually the killer or they know some, or they know who the right. killer is. She was just a little too, um, the whole part where she's like, you know, we want you to watch Erasmus Crowell. Um, she was just a little too into it. I think there was something about her, but Again, I also get the impression that she's like the bottom rung in a much larger conspiracy. I actually got to the end of the book and I was like, oh, damn it. We have to read the next book now. Like now, now, because I want to know who she was working with. Um, Besides she... high lords of some certain high lords of Terra. And which ones? Because we've read Watchers of the Throne and I'm hoping to God some of them are those assholes. And we could be like, that's right, motherfucker. I'm really curious if it's, you know one of the the one that went up to our fat friend who was was just like you know we got to get rid of reboot he's like excuse me <laughs> like oh yeah it could be um although yeah so <laughs> is this to me i mean this clearly takes place before Re reboot yes yeah yes i believe so let me double check the published date. Because I would think that they would have mentioned something. It was published in 2017. But they yeah, they don't talk about it at all. I, I know that the sequel takes place afterward because mm -hmm. my husband's already read it. And um, he said that it definitely takes place post that. So I don't know if this is just a matter of Reboot wasn't important to the story, which to be fair, he's not really. Or if um it takes place before he wakes up well the reason could go either way the reason why i think it takes place before he before the rift before all that well one because there's no demons up running up and down the street so and two um i would think that they may not be as concerned about trying to repair the throne if reboot is back and kind of taking over all that stuff I don't know. I don't know if they still are or not. I would think that they probably still are, but I would imagine that once Reboot wakes up, no, no more the, of this Eldar shit. Like right. I got a, I got a BFF who's an Eldar. My 
big titty Eldar girlfriend. Right, but he's not going to be cool with dark Eldar. No, nor should anyone. But we'll talk a lot more about that later. Uh, so what part stood out to you? Um, a few things. I have like several dog ears. Well, so mine are just kind of like some minor, just, um, just some things about Terra itself. Like, I, you know, I've read some of the horse heresy that take, mm-hmm. that, that take place on Terra, but that's a completely different time. And the other, the only other book that we've read on Terra was uh, Chris Rate's other book. Fuck, what was it called? Watches of the Throne. Thank you. Watches of the Throne. It's like, has anything to do with the throne? Like, but this one's also a throne. And anyway, so this was just a very interesting because, like, when we saw Terra, then we didn't really mm-hmm. get to see very much of it because we only no. saw the High Lords, and then the demons came. And so this is. Um, this is why I'm saying this is obviously before all that. I was. I don't think that they would have all these pilgrims coming in Sanguinala. I don't think they could have made the trip if this was. I don't po- think so. If no. this is this is post. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, those. So it's interesting to see, like, just really how bad Terra is, because you already know, even even in Horse Heresy, when everything is peaches, uh, well before the fall and everything is just you know honey and rainbows that terra still sucks like there's no oceans it's all been radiated there's um there's no way to grow food so that's Mm -hmm. another reason why the colonization um but just to kind of really kind of dig into it and not only that but to kind of see how the civilization is the terran civilization so close to the throne but yet they're so far away from how things were. I mean, it, they almost seem further away than how things were than the people on the other planets. It, if that if, if that make, makes any sense. No, it does totally make sense. And um, I want to I want to dive into that a lot more too. But like a lot of it like um the education mm-hmm. was very interesting to me, like when Spinoza walks in and she sees the nine sons fighting the nine devils. And I was like, well, that's interesting. And, oh, and, yeah. she, and she asked her teacher, well, why didn't the emperor create like a hundred sons to fight these nine devils? And she was beaten for that. Which I'm just like, yeah, you don't ask questions. <laughs> that's the that's the inquisitorial way. But I'm like, well, that's interesting that they've really kind of cut down history like that. I guess it's their one way to be like, oh, the emperor, he didn't do anything wrong. All right. The, he only right. had nine sons and they were perfect okay and these other like nine demons just showed up and we he just did what he could you know it's almost like no one talks about Horus but you know from the Astartes they know the truth they know about the fall because they talk about mm-hmm. Horus's fall and all that and some other planets they'll even talk about it but on Terra that's verboten it's very interesting I actually think that's largely the way in most of the imperium i think it's very much um i think it's very much and we'll talk a little bit more about this later but i think it's very much of a or i guess we can dive into that now um because we talked i had one of the questions was that we know that the imperials love their revisionist history so what were some of the things that really stood out to you and there's that scene very far down in the book when he's basically beneath the throne and he looks up and he's confused because he's like, well, there's the emperor, but why are there 20 dudes standing around him? And he's like, nine of those guys are definitely Primarchs. Mm-hmm. Who are the other guys? And um, it's interesting to me because 
I always got the impression that the general populace, by and large, like any planet you go to, the general population, no. They know that there's nine Primarchs, and maybe they know that there's nine Devils, or maybe they don't. Um, well, I know that, you know, in other planets, even on Terra, you know, the chance, like, most of them believe that the Astartes are legend. Like, they don't even right. exist. Mm -hmm. Well, because... And that's one of the things that we lose sight of until you read a book when all of a sudden you have a character who's like, like, actually, I think it was in that, um, that, what's that horror book that I lent you that was so good? The Wicked and the Damned. Um, in one of the books, one of the stories, one of the guys is like, have you ever seen one of the Emperor's Angels? I never had. And they're all inspiring. He has like three or four pages where he's just like, oh my God, this guy. Right. And you kind of forget that because we just, you were just like, oh, them. <laughs> we see them all the time. Um, like, that's just what we do. Um, it's like, unless you're like part of their, in their home worlds. But it shocked me that like, an inquisitor of Erasmus Krowl's uh, caliber. Yeah. Like, that he was even like, why are there 20 of these guys? And he even said, I mean, because I can't remember what the exact line is. I think I have it marked here. But he talks about how um, nine of them he recognizes from, like, the uh, the religious texts that, okay, no, those are definitely the Primarchs. It was it was a little astounding to me that somebody, him, um, or, like, there's another piece that I like, too, when he's coming up to the palace and he sees this bas-relief that says, in the very center where the immense bosses swelled out were two great figures, the holy Primarch Jagadi Khan and a nameless demonic monster wielding a scythe. Right. So which, that's which I knew that was Mortarian. Right, which we do. It's right. I like stuff like that because it's kind of a <laughs> sort of thing like, but I liked it. But I mean, yeah, the fact that even this great inquisitor is just like I think it's the fact that it says nameless. What page like, is that? No, I mean, uh, that, well, the, the, page two sixty four. I'm talking about the page where he looks up and sees the, the twenty. Oh no, no, I know, but that was that was another thing that I was like, wow, he doesn't even like. I would have expected him to at least like on that one be like, okay, that's the devil Mortarian, or like that's the devil. Like I know the name of this devil. I also actually now granted he was in the middle of a fight and he was kind of losing some blood. Um, I would have liked, or I was surprised, I guess, that when he looks upon this far relief of the emperor and his 20 sons, that he's not like, that one looks a lot like the guy with the scythe out there. Like, that guy's got a scythe, too. Hmm. Um, I just like to imagine that Mortarian always had his scythe on him. He just, you know, formal dinners, doesn't matter. Anyways, um, I'm trying to find the page because I know that I... It almost makes me wonder, like, who's the better? Who's better at keeping secrets? Here you go. The there were twenty great knights shown in a huge circle surrounding a magisterial icon of the emperor enthroned. Some of those knights looked like the ministerium-sanctioned images of the holy primarchs, but why were there twenty of them? What page? Page three hundred and sixty-one. Thank you. You're welcome. So, um, but I was saying, like, like, who has more secrets? The Grand Supreme Master of the Dark Angels, or the, or the highest, Inquisition, or the 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 guy 
at the top of the Inquisition? Because I assume there's got to be a you guy. Know, actually, I think that that question's probably pretty easy. It's definitely the Inquisition, because if you think about it, all of the secrets that the Dark Angels have kept really just revolve around the fact that half of us went evil and we're kind of hunting us down. And like, yeah, they've killed a bunch of Inquisitors and they bombed a bunch of planets in the name of hiding this thing. But really, they're all it's all in the service of this one secret. Friggin' Inquisition. I mean, holy shit. If you just look at the his the historic revisions that they've done and all of this erasing that they've done. That reboot's trying to undo as he's constantly looking for knowledge. He's like, they won't let me, they won't tell me what happened. I need to know. <laughs> well, now, so actually that's a thing that struck me in here was that, so there's this wonderful story. It's a short story. It takes place in the um, Horus Heresy. I cannot remember the name of it for the life of me. And I couldn't be bothered this week to go and look for it to figure out what it was but it um it's Horus and I want to say Magnus and somebody else they're talking with Malkador and they're talking specifically about their two dead brothers and Malkador is like we don't say the names of those guys anymore and Horus comes unglued and he's like you will not dishonor my brother's names by erasing them from memory and erasing them from existence and Malkador basically does the Darth Vader throat choke on him because <laughs> he's about to say him. he's like i will say and then they're like not today son um so it was really a story that was kind of again kind of a wink wink nudge nudge see what we did there but i can't imagine that reboot upon waking up and they don't really talk about it. i mean they talk about it a little bit but i can't imagine what he must feel like like again seeing this thing of jakati khan and uh matarian fighting Oh, yeah, it's just some demon thing that the Khan was fighting. No, <laughs> that was my brother. Or how, like, nobody knows the name Lorgar. Do they need to? Just well, kidding. I mean, at least I wonder, like, the Horus heresy. Do they just never know of Horus? Is Horus just one of the, the demons? They have to know who Horus is because he killed Sanguinius. Or they just think it's just a demon. I think they think it's just a demon. I don't even think, I don't think the majority of people know the Horus heresy. I think they just think that it's like the nine demons rose up and the Primarchs had to fight them back and Sanguinala died. I think, I really always get the impression that it's Sanguinala died for your sins. Sanguinius. Sanguinala. Sanguinala is the festival. <laughs> the holiday died for your sins. It's been a long week, guys. <laughs> So, yes, exactly. Sanguinius, he died for your sins sort of thing. They really do revere him. He is space Jesus. Um, but I, there were a lot of little things in here that, again, they're just so good at keeping their secrets. So good. And then, so going back to kind of what you were talking about earlier, Chris Wright really does, and this is the second book that we've seen this in, he paints a very grim picture of Terra. You know, does it, did it surprise you that it's just basically another hive world? No, no, it, it, it didn't. It just seems so much bleaker than, than other hive worlds. And that's just probably because it's so old. Um, it could be. And I think maybe it's a mental thing. Because part of me was like, oh, this is just kind of like any other hive world, really. But this is where the emperor lives. This is the seat of all power of the Imperium. And I just pictured it looking like the planet on Wally. Right, and not only that, but yes, I mean, definitely looking like like Wally, but there's no sun. 
everything's that hazed. depressed me the most you know that everything's like all hazed and out and outside the habs it's too too irradiated to even go out there even ten thousand years later which makes like what yeah fucking war happened wars this is plural <laughs> like yeah. that's not just one friend no but what happened you know i guess during long night <laughs> to have made it so bad you know it's just it's Shit crazy went down obviously um, but, um yeah but it it just seems so much worse because at least like in other hive you know hive worlds if they are able to get out at least there's like somewhere to go like nature right. to go there's nowhere to go in terra no no and i did like that um having headphone problems tonight um i did like that when they get in the ship and they kind of get above atmosphere when spinoza's like oh thank god <laughs> i can see sun again like she's i liked that moment of where she just yeah and you know what you know what it reminded me of a lot and i'll make this comparison again but do you remember please don't say you've never seen it you remember the movie seven i have seen seven anyways <laughs> there uh you remember how they describe the city which they never give a name but just the city is constantly dark and it's constantly rainy and people are unhappy there and it really reminded me of that obviously to an extreme um just these people living in squalor and starving. And I'm not even sure I would call them living. They're more of existing. Mm -hmm. I don't know. For some reason, I guess in my mind, I always kind of hoped that maybe Terra was not a garden world because obviously that didn't come to fruition, but that it was like, it was better somehow instead of being this clear level of like, 50 assholes who live like billionaires and then the rest of everybody else. It reminds me a lot of, you know, because Japanese, uh, you know, anime focuses mm -hmm. on that a lot about do. Uh, just people above. I mean, literally above mm -hmm. and everyone below was the slums. And you could, if you were down in the slums, you could not get your, mm -hmm. get your way up. Um, I mean, gosh, I can probably name like, so many movies like from even for, going back as far as the 90s i mean even like the last iteration i saw of Yu-Gi-Oh was based on that and it's like oh my gosh you guys need to find another trope <laughs> right <laughs> so so much of this and it's in their video games i mean look at final mm -hmm. fantasy 7 for an example that, that was a big one yes in the world in the in the city of midgar the people mm -hmm. literally living above everybody else and everybody else kind of got the trash of what was of what was above and that's mm -hmm. kind of what this is it's literal trickling down from the very top and the very top are not exactly the super wealthy it's the super power powerful well i think i think they're kind of synonymous i got the impression that they were kind of synonymous in this world where if if you have power you have money and there's a scene where they describe i think it's crowl is a, i can't remember if it was crowl or spinoza but I think it's Kral. He's walking through this garden and he talks about how there's these cisterns watering real plants and that he's like, oh yeah, like basically an entire hab block could live off of the water that you're putting on your plants, which did you notice how many times he focused on plants, real plants, grapes, real grapes, mm -hmm. you know, gold, real gold. Like the idea that 
real stuff as opposed to scent or uh, or uh, like gruel paste and stuff, nutrient paste that tastes maybe somewhat adjacent to fruit, right? That this right. was actually real, like when the scene with the grapes. Mm-hmm. That this planet there's no hap- sucks. There's man. no happiness in the grimdark future. Not on Terra, yeah. anyway. Yeah, exactly. There's none, and uh, it that that just depresses me. Whenever I read these, whenever I read books on Terra, I'm like, this place sucks. This really it's, almost honestly, it's whenever I read non-Astartes books because <laughs> everywhere sucks. Like when I'm reading Ravener, you know, that's not taking place on Terra, but, but it's the same thing. We're in these, you know, habs. And these people are starving to death and most of them turn to drugs because there's got nothing else to, to look forward to just to get through the day for whatever reason. And then you right. got the people super, some, some are super wealthy and some are powerful because it's different. Like Tara, you're right. I think they're powerful, are wealthy, but I, I don't even think that they are wealthy. I think it's because they are powerful. They get to indulge in right. wealth. It's not exactly theirs. But they get to indulge in it. Indulge in it, yeah. right. But, you know, in other places, they actually have wealth. And, <laughs> and it's the same thing. It's just like, but they're living with them, but they're still above them. They don't go out and mingle with, with the commoners. And yeah, no. every, every time I read a non-Astartes book, I'm just like, man, the grimdark future sucks. Yeah, well, and I was actually, I was, one of the things I'd said to my husband was that, you know, in the very beginning of the every single Warhammer 40k book you purchase, it says that to be a man in such times is to be one amongst untold billions. Right. Like this book, every time we read books about people, it really drives it home. Just this idea that you are, you are just a sand in the hourglass. Yeah, you're not even a cog in a machine. Because at least those are useful. Right. Like a lot of people are, but right. like the poor little scribe. So one of the things that I keep going back to is what do you think the pri- the emperor and the primarchs, like what must Reboot think of Terra? Well, he didn't really see it at its best. <laughs> he did see it with demons running down the street. <laughs> to be fair. Yeah. Um... <laughs> this isn't, this isn't an everyday happening. And I think he was shielded from a lot as well. Mm-hmm. It's not like he could really go out and see what how the people were living because there was there was a demon problem. Right. And pretty much when he showed up and they kind of beat everything back, he was immediately ushered. The custodians were just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Do you want to come talk to your dad? Yeah. <laughs> you want to see how dad's doing? <laughs> and Actually, I got the feeling that the custodians were kind of like, oh, God, a fucking another one. You guys are back. Uh, well, I don't know. This what seems... do you want? No, we got seem... rid of you already. But they seemed very happy to see him. I mean, it was like the Lord Commander was just like, oh, oh my God. Let's go talk to your father. This sounds great. Yeah. Somebody go talk to him. <laughs> Pretty much. Nobody Pretty else much. has. Yeah. Um, but I don't think he spent much time on Terra ever since because then he goes over to Ultramar, you know, the worlds of Ultramar, and he's like, what the fuck have you guys been doing? Everything I set up is gone. I. I feel like this was another voicemail on his box, by the way. <laughs> hey, Rob. Thought you should know. 
Like, because I made that joke last podcast that I feel like every book we read is probably just another, like, like he doesn't check his voicemail anymore. The box is full. <laughs> like, remember that word bearer that you put in prison? Yeah. <laughs> like, just add this to the list. There's a dark elder on the throne world. Anyways, <laughs> give us a call. So the Inquisition has a problem. They're trying to... Dude, that has to be half of his voicemail. The they're Inquisition! Trying to, they're trying to fix your father's throne with Dark Eldar, and it's not going well. Maybe you should check. Could you have a brain call them? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, I, I legitimately do believe that's probably half of his voice boxes. So the Inquisition... Or the end of War, War Secrets, they're just like, okay, you guys have no idea what shit's going on here <laughs> shit is fucked <laughs> repeat <laughs> exactly exactly or that I, one night oh of the absolution gosh. he also calls like so um someone was trying to kill me and there's a dark angels mark on there and <laughs> that just doesn't seem right <laughs> i'm so confused <laughs> so Along the lines of Terra, and continuing with my seven analogy, Spinoza and Crowell have very different outlooks. <coughs> um, well, she's been in space. There is that, but she really, she reminded me of the Brad Pitt character, where she's very idealistic. She's, now granted, she's a lot more different because you could call her a zealot. She has been the imperial way of thought and everything has been so ingrained into her like remember when he's just like so what if i told you that maybe tara is not perfect she's like that's heresy right <laughs> <clears throat> so there's all these little things there's no she reminds me of one of my favorite throwaway quotes i think it's in clash of kings um one of my favorite throwaway quotes quotes is when they're talking about um oh shoot the middle Baratheon brother. Somebody just has a quote in there and they say, there's too much iron in him. He'll break before he bends. And that kind of reminded me of Spinoza. She's I, think just this... I think they're talking about Stannis. Stannis, thank you. Um, but that kind of reminded me of Spinoza too, right? Right now she's just a little too rigid. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure Crowell's going to help her. But, and she's kind of this idealist. Like there's that scene um, that stood out to me and I can't remember where it is, but it's when she first meets Glock mm. and he's like, how long have you been on Terra? And she's like, long enough. And then she mentions something about four days and he's like, okay, so you have no idea. And then whereas Crowell is more like that Morgan, Fre Morgan Freeman character where he's very pragmatic and he's much more realistic. He's not, he's cynical, but it feels more pragmatic than like, he's not just straight up. Everything sucks. Mm -hmm. He's, you know, he, he just seems a little more realistic and more accustomed to how Tara runs for good or bad. Right. But I also see that he sees the good in Tara and that this is, this is how it is. And it's not totally terrible. You know, if you just know, know where to look. Terrible you know, like, Tara. Huh? Terrible. T right. You know, just, you know, looking at, at, at Sanguinala and, you know, and he would talk about, you know, looking at, I guess, kind of the sunrise <laughs> and, you know, how that looks, you know, when she talk about mm -hmm. how disgusting things are, and he'd be like, oh, but did you look at it like this? You know, so, right. which, like, which probably goes from how long 
he's been there mm -hmm. as well. And you guess you got to kind of do those things not to go crazy. <laughs> you have to, right? To like find the things, find the things to enjoy and find the things to understand. Um, also, I love his skull. Oh my god, Krell's me too. Skull. Oh my god. And I usually hate those. Those always freak me out. But this one was hysterical. It was so sassy. And I loved how it repeated stuff. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, this is amazing. I especially loved when it was telling, um, when it was telling them to rescan. Oh, yeah. He was telling the head, yeah, the head doctor to like rescan. And he's like, I already did that. And he's like, stupid, do it again. It's like, this skull is amazing. And I want one for myself. <laughs> I, I love the skull. So it's like, it's, it's a boy in his skull boy in his skull <laughs> automatically automatically was a good a win in my book uh i really i liked it but i think my favorite part about crawl as a character is that he was still capable of awe so like when he first meets the custodies and mm -hmm. he's like oh huh and then when they bring him to see the gates the doorway into into the throne uh, into the throne and he, even he's like oh my god and he's speechless mm -hmm. he kind of starts praying under his breath despite himself and then of course at the end of the book when he realizes that he's underneath the throne and he looks up and he just says oh my i i loved that you have this because generally I feel like Eisenhorn is one of those characters who is generally presented as just being so cynical that he was, he could be surprised, but not really awed. So I like the idea that Kral could still be taken aback. Oh, but to be fair, Eisenhorn never fought beneath the throne. <laughs> or Meta Custodes. There is that too. My BFF Custodes. Yeah. Um, actually, can I say really quickly that one of the things that really disappoints me is why... Is the custodies on this book? I was because actually thinking the same. He's in here for like two chapters. Yeah, he's like why it's not Spinoza. He's important, yes, but he's not there nearly as much as Spinoza. Apparently the second book she's on it, but she's kind of off in the background. She's like definitely out of focus over his shoulder. I don't like a woman I was should actually... be. <laughs> I hate to say it, but part of me was like, oh, the Black Library didn't think it would sell if it was a dude and a woman buddy copping it. But a dude and a custodian, everybody's interested now. Well, I don't know because... Anyways. But then again, this is a reprint. But with their reprint with the, the Ravener omnibus, it has on the cover... Oh, what's the guy's name? The Muscle and... Nail. Nail and Kiss. Yeah, and, and Patience Kiss. Kiss. Mm -hmm. No, it does. So, but they, but then again, that is a reprint. So, well, and Ravner is kind of established, right? Like everybody knows about Ravner. This guy, this is a new series, but you can't have Ravner on the cover. It's true. It's, it's just a box. It's just a refrigerator. <laughs> just that like an old school frigidaire. <laughs> um, on the other hand, I really liked Spinoza, though. I liked that. I. Li I really did like how irritated she was getting when everyone was like, ah, you don't understand Tara. And she's like, I know. <laughs> like, I really liked that. And I liked, I liked in the end, it was such a nice, it's lump of sugar is not a right, the right word for it. 
um, because she wasn't like a bad character. But I do like in the very end when she kind of starts quoting him back to him. Yeah. And she's like, don't listen to the voices you can hear. I like that she warmed up to him and she's like, I'm basically staying with you. <laughs> I like when she, she finally did speak candidly to him. And he's like, yeah, I recant that now. <laughs> yes. And I do like, I did like early on when he would say something to her and she would be like, yes. And he's like, no, no, speak your mind. No. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I mean, you're in the order of hereticus. You don't know what's right. a test and what's not. That's true, too. I mean, Rosillo gives her a file on him. And he's like, and she's like, but you didn't get this. And Susie Meets is like, I'm sure Rosillo gave you a file on me. I don't know what you're talking about. Exactly. Okay, so. Let's just. Like that, I actually games, love that. Swear. Well, let's be honest. The Inquisition is a hot mess. Well, yes. I'm just happy there's finally a member of the Order of Hereticus I like. I haven't met one yet. I actually, I got to the end of it and I was like, oh, a really good Inquisitor that I like. Like, I am imploring Chris Wright, right? Please please don't have him become like heretical like where he's like oh i'm making deals with demons and stuff for the greater good you understand <clears throat> i got to the end of the book and i was like oh he is just a good dude and i mean he takes chances he lets that minor guy go early on in the you know in the beginning he lets him go because he knows it'll lead him to the bigger prey right um like spinoza would have killed him right then and there right you also have to ask at the very end of the book, I, I kind of freaked out when I got to the end of the book because when he has uh, Lermontov mm -hmm. in the, um, when he has him in the interrogation chamber, I was like, oh no, this is so bad. I do like his line though. Say nothing, listen with utmost care. Well, I mean, the thing like, you know, Lermontov, he even told her earlier he was like oh how many people have y'all gotten and tortured and they're be and you know with y'all's tools the truthful the truth-telling tools like they'll say anything right so along those lines how did you feel about the angel's tears slash false angel i was kind of a spinoza on that and that i understand what they were mm -hmm. rebelling against just not such a great way to do it right i mean i was kind of glad to know that they weren't the one that it wasn't your typical you know cult down there doing blood rites it was people that were like we we're getting slaughtered by these monsters that we don't know what they are and no one's helping us so we're right. taking this into our own hands and mm -hmm. i see so Oddly enough, in the very beginning when they were talking to him and they mentioned that some of the guys looked like Ogrens, I was like, they can't be heretics then. Because you're not going to get an Ogren to go heretical. <laughs> and then later on, when they talk about how many of the Ogrens, Ogrens, Ogrens are there, I was like, I knew it. <laughs> Those guys are loyal. I don't even know what they are. So um, I assume they're like Ogre-like. Yeah, kind of. They're... Um, mutant people who are bred for heavy heavy physical labor that's kind of what it sounded um, like 
Yeah, they show up most often um, either for super physical labor or like just hardcore brute fighting. Um, but well, now we know how the pyramids were built. <laughs> <laughs> Spread it on Reddit, won't you? Right. Uh, so, pretty much. Um, they are, but they, loyalty is like one of the things about them. They are dogged loyalists, at least all the books and stuff that I've read about them. Um, so, as soon as I saw them, I was like, no, you have this wrong, sir. Uh, so I liked that at the end, but yeah, it was, it was kind of sad ultimately. Cause you get to the end and you're like, oh, these, you understand their motivations, but even Spinoza's like, okay, that's heresy. No, 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 no. You don't understand. They're killing us. They're murdering us like by the hundreds. Still heresy. <laughs> like the way that she's just like, I'm sorry. Are you rebelling against the order of law? Or are you taking this into your own hands? Heresy. There's no, again, that just a little too much iron right. um i don't know i don't know that she's ever gonna get rid of that but no obviously but Crowell's not entirely either because he still took in lermontov oh yeah well and what so what's his motivation there right what do you think he wants to learn from him i don't know what he could i have a couple theories okay one i think it'll just i think for one thing, Lermontov has much better firsthand knowledge of the um, the creatures that they were creating to hunt and kill them, right? That the Dark Eldar was creating. Um, I'm wondering, though, if he's going to use that to try to figure out, like, figure out who, what the other High Lords are, or, like, try to find some some avenue of descent right because i'm because remember he talks about how immediately they start painting him as being a cult leader mm -hmm. so i'm wondering if that was part of the footstep covering if that makes sense oh could be but i don't know what he would know i don't either but crowell clearly thinks something i actually really liked him as a character too by the way lermontov Alarmance, yeah, yeah. I, I, I did as well. But at the same time, though, I do find Crowell to be a fair person. I would say so. That's accurate. Yeah. So I don't think he'll, you know, needlessly torture no. Lermontov or any or anything like that. He might even let him go. I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. He might for sure. Um. Yeah, that was. That was another thing I found a little surprising about him is that, yes, again, it comes down to that. He is definitely the cooler head. They talk about him being older and having all this knowledge and experience, and he does seem to use it. Mm -hmm. It makes him a more measured and rational character. He hasn't yet gone the extremist. You're all guilty way. Right. Well, between him and Spinoza, because like you were saying that, you know, he let the guy go to see where he where he went in this whereas Spinoza would, would have killed him. To me, it kind of mm -hmm. reminds me of, you know, when I used to work in law, um, working with a partner and their uh, first year law student associate, uh, just mm -hmm. at a law school associate, because you have this partner who knows what to look for. Mm -hmm. And whereas the associate is just find every like little line and like when i would have to summarize their depositions 
an associate's deposition would be this fat because they would ask them like every little thing under the sun and then a partner's deposition would be like this because they know <laughs> they know what they know what they're looking for they know what they want they don't need to get any access and the associates are so afraid of missing something that they don't know exactly how to ask for it or, and look there and that's kind of really what i saw in this and he's like mm -hmm. yes i'm experienced i know how this this works where she's just like god damn it that's heresy and we're gonna end it it's like no 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 let's just kind of see how this plays out you know kind of remind me also you know i'm watching i think it might have been like one of the cops tv shows one of those reality shows and they mm -hmm. were they were uh it was in vegas and there were all these people you know that had drugs in vegas but they didn't they didn't want them they kind of let them go because they wanted the big supplier. They wanted right. the big <clears throat> fish. Mm -hmm. So it's the same same thing versus, you know, maybe that new cop would be in there be like, I'm going to arrest them all. Like, no, no. Like, let's kind of get to the to the, to the big, to the big pond mm -hmm. in the end. Right. And I liked that. And actually, now that you're saying that, that was another point that I had wanted to make about Spinoza and Wright, or, right, Chris Wright, um, Spinoza and Crowell is that it's interesting to me that they kind of did that role reversal where Crowell is that more merciful, a little more trusting, a little more recognizing that this is the smaller fish sort of thing. A lot of times you would see that in the rookie, the rookie who would be like, oh, you know, let's just be a little more lenient with this guy. Whereas it's a guy who's been around the block a little bit more, who's like, nope, heresy, trust me on this one. I liked the idea too, that you had that little bit of a role reversal there. Mm -hmm. Um I kind of wish I hadn't written my, I had waited till we read this to write my badass women of Warhammer article because Spinoza belongs in there. Well, but you already did have a Chris Rate nominee in there. That's so. true. But not a human who's adepting, a, uh, wielding a friggin' Crocius. Ah! Actually, I'm like, I loved her comment when she's talking to Hagen, which I loved him. In fact, he's just making oh jokes my God. and trying to you know, kind of get through things. And he was like, you know, so what was it like fighting alongside the Astartes? And she just looked at him and she's like, they suffer. They, they suffer your presence to be there. And he starts laughing. He's like, is that really how it is? <laughs> no, just like, yeah, you know, that sounds right. <laughs> oh, it does. And I really want there to be something between Hagen and Spinoza because he was so wonderful and he they were definitely back to those opposite sides um I loved how funny he was I love how lax he was and like no matter what happened he's just like okay <laughs> like I loved that I love that he was managed to have the sense of humor still yeah she brings the fact... this assassin on board and he's like well wait a second <laughs> <laughs> he's like wait a minute I don't want her on here we're bringing her okay, okay. <laughs> I guess <laughs> you're the boss. I also really I was about to say, really I liked, liked Revis. Yeah. Oh, I don't like Revis, but I liked her oh. too, the assassin Kazad. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like they got the band together in this book <laughs> because now he has Revis, who is a badass unto himself, mm -hmm. Hagen, who's very competent. He has Spinoza now, so he has an interrogator, and he just picked up a shiny new assassin. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it is custodies. What? <laughs> yes. So like they're like the Avengers. <laughs> the custodies is clearly the Hulk. <laughs> the description of the custodies fighting was amazing. Yeah, I loved it. Actually, 
that was funny when he's like talking to the dark elder and he's like tell me who it is and the custodian's just like nope spears him <laughs> it's dead like you could have at least waited to give me an answer but nope. like we need to we need to know who it is you'll figure it out <laughs> oh i hadn't thought of it that way before but yes, this book, it's like assembling the Avengers. And I was so excited. So I was like, oh, he has a kill team now. He does. Yeah. Yeah. So on that note, sort of, hmm. this is kind of branching into our, the, Inquis- the Inquisition's kind of a, th- a thorny mess. They don't know who to trust. They don't. They don't trust each other. Oh my God. You have extremists. You have crazy people. You have evil people. Can it survive in this current state? And what made me think of that is you remember throughout the book, they keep saying he wasn't always alone. Mm-hmm. And then you learn that her former mentor killed, which it felt a little shoehorn slapped in on the end, if I'm being totally honest. But you learn that he killed his part, uh, Kral's partner. Mm-hmm. And that's not a way to live. Like, I don't even know. Can the institute, can the institution of the Inquisition survive in its current state? Well, I mean, I don't think it's going to anyway. <laughs> well, so that's what I mean. Like, that's a that's another thing. And not only do you have backstabbing, conniving, straight up evil, straight up zealots, crazy people, people who don't share secrets. Oh, and you have a Primarch who pretty much hates you guys. I did love it when Crowell told, uh, he told the custodies, he's like, there's no point in you keeping secrets from me now. He's like, that's rich. I loved that. I laughed out loud. That was hilarious to me. He's like, that's ironic coming from you. So you get the Inquisition <laughs> and the dark and dark angels in a room together. Who's going to share a secret first? <laughs> I, it would just be a lot of glowering. Yeah. A lot of silence. Like not even witty banter. <laughs> no. Like when you get inquisitors in the room, like again, with that early scene, did you already read the file that she gave you on me? I didn't get a file. Good answer. Like it was this witty answer, the witty banter back and forth, right? It was very sharp. And I loved Mm -hmm. that when he was throwing stuff at her and she's like, this is a test. This is a test the whole time. I don't think anyone would talk. (laughs) It would just be the dark angels and an inquisitor sitting there like stony silence. Oh, I don't know. I think the Inquisitor would be harping on them about their secret. <laughs> the Dark Angel's just sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> With a kill team hiding in the midst. Like, ready to take out the Inquisitor if he says something wrong. Pretty much. Um, well, look, the eyeballs in that painting just moved. <laughs> the skull would have detected it. <laughs> I love the skull. But can the Inquisition survive this? Uh... With or without reboot, right, with, with, <laughs> well, I mean, because with. he, I think he's going to, you know, destroy it anyway. But like, if he wasn't even around, the Inquisition, um, since it's like this on Terra, so we have this where it's like this on Terra, and then we have, um, oh, it was the it was the um, Saint Celestine book, where the the Order yes. Order Hereticus was there. Basically mm-hmm. trying, going overboard to maybe find a zealot. Or not a zealot, but, you know, a traitor. Maybe find someone oh. who's a little insubordinate. He, right, well, because he was convinced that the saint was a demon. Right. 
So, you know, so you have that, you have this. I don't know about the whole inquisition, but the order hereticus will not, is not going to survive. No, I don't think so. The order Omalius. They still work with the Grey Knights and they kind of do their own thing. So I think they'll survive just because of that. The problem gets to be when the Malleus and Xenos run afoul well, actually, of each other. I really liked that. Too. Well, and the Xenos have the um, the Mother Fletcher, <laughs> the Death Watch. Right. Yes. So they have they have Space Marine allies as well. And, but and we've seen well, Hereticus has the Sororitas. Uh, but, but, and we've seen um, Xenos also be traitors. I'm not, I'm not, well, I'm not... and I actually really liked that the Xenos guy in here was a good dude. He was yeah. trying to figure out. It. Yeah, he knew about the Eldar. Mm -hmm. um, and I liked the idea that the, the custodies knew him too. Like, we were presented actually with a, a two good Inquisitors. That has to be a record. It's true. Like there was two good inquisitors and one room together, and they were of different ordos. Like I, I just imagine him pitching this to the Black Library, and they're like, "Which one of them is evil?" No, no, they're both good. No, but one of them has to be evil. Oh, the woman's evil. Okay, cool. <laughs> you can print the book then. Well, I think the reason why I'd let him print the book is because one of the ordo guys was dead. So. <laughs> Pretty much. You can't have them both alive and be good. That's just not going to happen. That's not going to work. Yeah. That one was good. That's why he's dead. Um, pretty much. I mean, but well, yeah. Thing. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's why he's dead. Pretty much. And it's Crowell thing, almost died the same way. Yeah. But it's a thing that I keep, especially this year as we read books and as we see these Inquisitors, like um, Spear of the Emperor. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. And then uh, Celestine is another good example. And then this book here, uh, and you kind of saw them a little bit in Watchers of the Throne too. It's not a pretty picture being painted by these guys. So I think that's become, to me, that's become one of my burning questions of the state of Warhammer in general. And I've made the joke a lot that I would love, I would love for this to become a giant like Robbie G in the military branch versus the Inquisition, I would support it. <laughs> but it's one of the burning questions that I have for the state of the universe. So the Inquisition is going to like just turn into the Dark Angels and they're going to spend all of their time cleaning up their own shit. I don't know. Actually, I don't know I if they just, can. Actually, just I just I listened to uh, one of the audio horror books tonight that stars an awful inquisitor well you know because i was, I was kind of thinking earlier today because you know the ordo xenos it makes sense like that i totally mm -hmm. understand what they do same with ordo malleus and then you get the hereticus and they just seem very muddy and gray with what they do but they also kind of mm -hmm. remind me of their own internal affairs department if their internal affairs department was also corrupted <laughs> pretty much it's just it's the Hereticus, I think, is probably one of the most discombobulated of, of, of all three Ordos. And it's almost kind of confusing because it's almost like, well, what exactly are you guys doing? Yeah, like, what was it you'd say you do here? Right? I mean, one hand, it's like, oh, well, they're witch hunters. Okay. I, I understand that. But then why do they go after 
this or they're they're the ones that are tasked to going after their own inquisitors when they think you know that their inquisitors are going bad but unfortunately they have this nasty habit of shoot first ask questions later right forcing people to go even more rogue and they're like ah see see heresy you shoot till there's one side of the story (laughs) i you know i can't argue with that logic you know so Let's talk about then, because this leads right into this nicely. Let's talk about the project. I don't know. The throne is failing. They can't know. They figure out how to fix it. So let's get an Eldar to fix it. But But apparently, Dark Eldar. So the thing that I can't figure out that I and I'm going to say this kind of facetiously, but I think it's legitimately true. They all look the same, right? Like Dark Eldar, Good Eldar, they're all the same. It's all the same race. Doesn't matter. So the fact that, yeah. and of course for us, you know, having world knowledge, not character knowledge, um, how could you mistake a Dark Eldar for a Light Eldar? Well, I mean, they, if they had brought in the Ordo Xenos, they would have known. Yeah, the Ordo Xenos would have been like, mm, not those ones. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Too. Okay, so You guys, you couldn't even do this right. You're trying to do something that's border heresy, making a deal with the Xenos, and you couldn't even do that right. Like, I, trust me, it's there's like an brought, order. You brought murder monsters to Terra. Dude, I promise you, you could have found a friendly Ordo Xenos Inquisitor. If you were like, okay, so here's our plan. All you I'm, to do I is- guarantee you. You find a guy. All you had to do was was find a known Xanthite. That's all they had to do. Yeah. And bring him in. Because they've been like, oh, yeah, totally. Right. Like, I feel as though if you would have just talked to the Order Xenos, eventually you would have found a guy, and I use that term gender neutral, you'd have found someone who would have been like, oh, yeah, sure, no problem. Let's Mm -hmm. do it. I think that's a great idea. Um, (laughs) You're committing heresy, and you fucked that up. That was the part that I was like, it really is the government. They can't do anything right. <laughs> like, what the hell? Oh, my God. But so, okay. This is your plan. Because they obviously can't fix it. So, and again, that kind of makes me think it's, it has to be pre-Robbie G. Because Avrain is known to all the High Lords of Terra that she helped. Her and... That his- and- there's that other Eldar that was part of it too. The guy who made the armor of fate. The guy That who, guy. Well, yes, the guy who talked to Alpharis. I, I can't think of his name. No, I can't either, but he It's not Gul'dan, but it's something like no, that. No, it is something like that. I just remember when he um talked to Alpharius and I was reading that and then I read Armor of Fate and I'm like, <gasps> like Oh my god, like ten thousand all coming together. Yeah, it's like, well, ten thousand years. I mean, my god, how long did the Eldar live? Apparently forever. Well, and also if you're in the, the warp or in the webway, like you know, time passes differently. Yeah. Um, yes. So that guy, I, I feel like the Rolodex of people you could have called would have been pretty high. Um, also, Trazen. Also, Belisarius Call. Like, yeah. The fact that this was the work of a few desperate people 
And I understand it. I totally understand it. The throne is dying. The tech priests can't figure it out. That was one of my favorite scenes, actually, in Watchers of the Throne, when the, all the tech priests and stuff were around the throne. And I can't remember if it was Valerian or the High Lord guy, but one of them was like, you know what? I don't think they know what they're doing. I think this is all bullshit. I think it was the High Lord guy. I think it was. I think he's like, yeah, I think this is all bullshit. I think it's all smoke and mirrors, which... <laughs> You're right. Uh, Why haven't I just, they called Belisarius Call? Reasons? Because <laughs> he's crazy? Well, yes, but if there's anyone, well, I don't know, who's been around for 10,000 years, who has all of these, you know, memories sucked into him, including the guy who helped create the Black Carapace, maybe he might know how to fix this thing. Right. I mean, he seems to like Necron tech, so I don't know why he couldn't go and fix it. Well, and that was my other question, too, is I was like, okay, so you don't want to call the Necrons because that's bad. Right. But Eldar, the Dark Eldar. Good? Well, in the Dark Eldar, like, oh my god. It, it just... Oh my god, as soon as they revealed it's a Dark Eldar, I said aloud, you idiots. <laughs> Oh my gosh! It was when they were they were revealing the construct things that they were making it because they talk about them having the wasp wastes, hence the hand gesture. I talk with my hands too much. And um, as soon as they revealed that, I was like, "You idiots! You idiots!" But so here's the thing, though: what lingering questions are there? Mine, I think, my biggest one is the guy kind of intimated that he wasn't alone. Which and guy? the um dark elder oh, kind of yeah. intimates that he's not alone and if the inquisition approached this one guy remember they talk about how they're like no 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 we made agreements and accords were struck and we have guarantees do you like what what all does that entail basically are we gonna see more of these guys maybe that's what hollow mountain deals with could be Again, something else to put on Robbie G's voicemail. So we know you just woke up and everything and you were just here, but could you could you maybe spare a minute? Okay, we kind of might have a dark Eldar problem that maybe the High Lords brought here, but we're not sure who yet. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for him to get names mm -hmm. and then just call him. Like, yeah, so Reginald and Frank. We gotta do something with them. Old and Frank. I hope that's their names. That'd be great. Me too. <laughs> Me too. So, but you know, like it's better than like Bryce and Skylar. Um, <laughs> they're '90s coming of age movie villains. Uh, <laughs> pop colors, spike tips. Anyways, uh, like I, I hope. I hope they end that book with him calling Robbie G being like fun story. Uh, again, though, does that go to the end of the voicemail? Cause you also have the literal voicemail of the Calidus assassin. Anyways, so, so many there's, things. There's that. And, um, but and I the word bearer and, I am so excited to read the next book, though, because I got to the end of the book and it's like, I need to know what happens next. <laughs> so I I know we're not reading it for a few and that's totally fine. I will live. 
but that's how much I enjoyed the book is that when I got to the end of it, it's like, oh, I want to read the next one next now because it was so good. I enjoyed it at least. I like I like a good mystery. Well, I like you know, and honestly, the reason why I'm saying I don't know because there's I mean there is parts where I was like, oh my gosh, I got to stay up, but I got so tired mm-hmm. and I would just fall asleep and. I think because of how I've had to read this book this week, that has affected yeah. how um, I feel. You know, it's kind of like when you're assigned a book to read in, in school and you'll like it. But then, like, you think about it years later and you're like, you know, that really was a good book. But when you're forced to read it, you're just like, oh, my God, what is this? And because I was basically trying to find, like, five minutes to sit and read where I didn't have someone needing something from me. I'm good. I'm good. So like I like in full disclosure, I did finish this book like about two, three hours before we started recording. That's like how insane everything has been. So like when you actually talked about how them they were below the throne, like I don't even know if I even caught that because I'm trying to read and doing yeah. So I don't think I was able to give this book a fair a fair shake. But at the same time I enjoyed the mystery behind it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to reading the next one, and hopefully I'll be able to give that one much more um, credence than I was able to with this one. Yeah, I really liked this one. Like, I was actually, so we were at a hockey tournament last weekend, because I spent all my weekends, and uh, I had it with me, and I was, like, reading it out in the parking lot. (laughs) My kids warming up, they're, like, doing dry land next to me, and I'm like, "Mm -hmm, yeah, enjoy. So I'm reading my book. I really, really liked it. So... Going back to one of our first questions, the parts that really stood out to you, I need to mention something specifically because I had a delightful little Twitter conversation uh, or interaction, I should say. Okay. Chris right. At one point, and this part made me squeal aloud with, loud with joy. And the funny thing was, because my husband read this book probably six or seven months ago. And when I was like, oh my God, he knew exactly where I was. When they go to the scribe's house, and the ship name, the secret, the ship name is hidden in a romance novel called My Wish to Generate Children with You is Only Exceeded by My Devotion to Him. Chris Wright said that he would totally write this book if enough people petitioned the Black Library. And by God, people, we need to get on that. <laughs> you know, because we'd already talked about that. And I was just kind of laughing about it. I was like, okay, what is this about? And then I get to that part and I burst out laughing. I'm like, okay, that's, that is quite a title for a romance novel. That is the most, so like I make jokes about Warhammer 40k romance novels. That is the most in-world thing to ever happen. It's like so close to like a Terran Harlequin novel. I think it is. Yeah. And I love it. So I don't know if you guys uh, played, um, Dragon Age series. So as we're both wearing Dragon Age hoodies tonight. No, no I'm not. I, I am proudly. <laughs> uh, one of us has to go change. Uh, so there was this running gag about Varric Tethris writing this book series called Hard and Hightown. They actually, Dark Horse actually published the book. I mean, it's like this thick. It's teensy tiny, But it is this badly written mystery novel. It's supposed to be like a hard a hard-boiled noir style thriller it is so bad it is so good it's supposed <laughs> to be bad though right i mean yeah, that's why it's so yeah. good because it is supposed to be terrible to quote cassandra from the end of inquisition 
I'd read the shit out of this if you wrote that. I would. Yes, you know I what? Would I, I, would <laughs> I would too. I would buy the special edition. And I would, and I would really hope it's as Harlequin-y as possible. Just really bad. Oh Please. Where he's the ex-special military uh, adept. Uh, shoot. I just Imperial Guard, like he's a Krieg guy who survived and he's seen everything. And he has a dark secret. And she is the scribe, the bright-eyed scribe who's going to change the Terra and make it better. Uh-huh. Well, why yes. don't you write it? I would happily, I would so happily write Harlequin-esque 40k novels. Like, <laughs> you don't even understand. So happily do it. Because they're all the same novel. Like, no, uh-huh. I, Sometimes on the covers are in different poses. Okay. Again, as the person who has a very extensive collection that I would never show on camera. Um, mine, are all, mine are all Western. Don't worry. <laughs> None of the period pieces. Anyways, but that part really, that really, I, that made me laugh so hard. That was just such a nice little piece of color. I love the idea of this lonely scribe. Not only did he have this book. But it's this it's like the key to this whole mystery because they find the ship. Also, the interaction on that ship when Crowell is on there talking with the guy, and Crowell's just, oh yeah, why don't you just show me your logs? You just do all this stuff. And he's acting really calm and cool. And Spinoza goes in on that mm-hmm. like suicide run. <laughs> I love the description of the ship where they're like, this ship should just not exist. <laughs> this ship, this ship is madness. I loved that. I thought that was great with the ship exploding. Beautiful. Loved it. There were just so many little pieces of this book where it felt very cinematic. Oh, yeah. And you had no problem envisioning it. No. So I really, I really enjoyed it. And I think this was a really good way for us to end out the year. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean... We've read, like, it's it's not one of my favorite books, but it's a really good book at the same time. So, right. So, yeah, I mean, we've actually been pretty fortunate this year in the books. We really in have. In the books that we have read. And I guess I'm going to have to say it's, like, the quality, the authors that, you know, just been, been churning out. Like, we talked about how earlier this week we talked about how like apparently only people that that we read are the fab four you know um adb guy haley chris rate and josh reynolds and then we said oh the fifth beetle dan abnett but i think that's not the fifth beetle i think the fifth beetle's andy clark yes sorry andy we didn't mean to compare you to ringo okay Uh, first of all i (laughs) i am a ringo defender my dad is too. Actually, my dad will defend Ringo till he's blue in the face. So, and um, also speak very ill of Yoko Ono. He still is not. He's still not gotten over that. It's been, been like fifty years. Um, my dad's not over her either. Yeah. No. My dad. Mm, anyways, that's a bad topic. But um, I think you're right. I think it is Andy Clark because I look at all the books that we've read this year and some of the ones that we're already looking at next year because i think he has an ultramarines book coming out i think it's the next and that's the horribly titled series the space marines conquest yeah i'm still just gonna start calling it space marines revelations but yeah it that is he really is kind of a 
but it feels like all the books we're reading because the next book that we're reading for the book club officially is Lords of Silence. But until then, given the holidays and everything else that's going on, we are actually going to take a break from our regularly scheduled joint reading. And we are going to finally take some time to read those books that we've bought and we've thought to ourselves, oh, wouldn't it be awesome to read these? And then we just never quite find the time. So mine are gonna be the Josh Reynolds show starring Josh Reynolds. I am reading <laughs> Dark Harvest and Cal- Ooh, wow. That was that's shiny. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I got the special edition as you can tell. Um, I actually really like it because it's, it's like the see-through plastic cover on the dust jacket which is kind of it's up my alley um so i'm reading cal jericho again my husband already read it and he was like he came to me afterwards and he was like you need to read this book you're gonna love it and then of course i'm not a big warhammer fantasy person but you had me at horror novel so i'm excited josh you reynolds reading? and horror sign her up pretty much also dim green pages <laughs> Look, it doesn't take much to make you happy, I swear. You guys, I am so easily amused and so easily pleased. Um, the fact that all of the horror novels, I thought I had a couple of them here, but I don't think I do Well, now. no, like, well, I have your copy of The Wicked and the Damned, which I think is black. Yes, and then I just got a red one. I got with the short, the new short story collection because it had David Annandale's name on the mm. cover. So I was like, mm, let's take that one too. Uh, yes, it doesn't take a lot. <laughs> I, love, I love the colored pages. It, oh, by the way, Cal Jericho's are purple. <laughs> I have deep-seated problems. So really, you, all I need to do is to buy you a book and then paint the edges and be like, here, look at this. It's special. It's got paint on the edges and you won't even care what book it is. Be like, oh. That's right. I'll be like, oh, shiny. <laughs> look at the color. I would have liked the devastation of Ball a lot more by at least 30% more if the pages have been read. It would have made sense to make them red, but maybe the legit would the uh, special edition. I bet the special edition, if they made one, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure they did, had a nice red leather bound cover with gold around it. Leather bound or velvet bound? They're not all Euro trash. Oh, know, but they are. <laughs> well, speaking of Euro trash. Oh God. So I mean, oh. I mean, you look at Mephiston on the cover. I mean, that is some pretty. Darn Euro trash vampire right there. If somebody from Games Workshop or Black Library or just any hardcore fan is listening and can explain to me why they put nipples on his armor. Oh, God damn it, woman. I didn't notice that till now. Why? Thank but you. But they're not. I would have thought that we learned from the bat suit. Okay, but they're not. not. But they're not in the right place for nipples. Uh, they are on the model. They are on the figure. <laughs> on the figure, it looks like it's very cold outside. No, no. Well, on the book cover, they're like way down in the corner. Oh, okay. Well, then that's okay then. Unless he had a really bad boob job, and they're just going that way. I don't know, but <laughs> they port east west now. Anyways, so you're reading Mephis. Yes, I'm Did reading Euro the Trash. Yes, I'm reading the first uh, Mephiston book. It's by an author we haven't touched yet. I've actually never read nothing by him, Darius Hinks. But he's a lovely guy on Twitter. <laughs> so, well, I thought we did read something by mm -mm. him. Mm -mm. Okay. I'm pretty sure we haven't. No, I, I think you're absolutely correct. But where? I would have sworn that I just did. Did he write one of the short stories? 
Maybe you've read something. That could be. Yeah. But no, uh, I haven't. This is my very first book by Mr. Hinks. Nice. And so, so yeah, I mean, I kind of, thanks to the Blood Angels omnibus, I really started liking Mephiston then. And that was mainly because I loved his reaction when he saw um, the supposed Sanguinius Reborn. It was like he saw him and you could tell, I could imagine him just like finger over his mouth. Like, I'm really trying not to laugh right now. Right. <laughs> At what a joke this is. Um, and he was actually not so, uh, in those books, he was not so broody as he was in A Devastation of Ball. Actually, I don't know what he was doing in Devastation of Ball. Like he got in a coffin and then threw a fit in the coffin. I'm not exactly sure. <laughs> I just That's... wasn't... That scene broke me. I mean, he's just, I was like, oh my gosh, it really, like I was imagining. So a long time ago when I was in college, uh, uh, there was always this big party on campus and it, well, it was never on campus. I went to Baylor. Let's be clear about that. And <laughs> so I was helping work the uh, this bar one night and I saw this porta potty and a vision and it's doing like it is going like swaying like back and forth like I, we think it's about to turn over and so we're giggling like is there's like a couple people in there that's pretty gross but we could see it happening one of our friends stumbled out so drunk and picked up his drink and he was like my drink is broken and then he ran off to go tell somebody it's broken so we don't know what he was doing in there. <laughs> nothing to be swaying the way it was but that's what i imagine the coffin was doing <laughs> he was in it yeah thrashing pretty around. much pretty much so yeah I, i'm just kind of curious i think because i think this book is about you know how he's trying to understand how he's able to get past the flaw and can he bring that to other people who knows i don't know the power of designer brands i mean because he's a euro trash vampire i tell you what like they had to have gotten his face, like on this cover, from some Castlevania or, um, or no, 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 Vampire Hunter D, the, the, the second one, Bloodlust, that <gasps> vampire, because that's what he looks like. Oh, he doesn't look as beautiful as D. No, not D, not D. Oh, um, Meyer. Yeah, the totally white. Oh, he does look like Meyer, actually. Yeah. Um... I cannot think. That's like one of my favorite movies of all time. It's Meyer Link. Yeah, it's Meyer Link. He looks like Meyer Link. Yeah. So, but then my other book is a book I bought a while ago, but then I got. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I got derailed by Andy Clark's wonderful book. So this is like another another Alpha Legion book. I picked it up after finishing reading Legion because like I gotta know more about these guys. And whereas the one that we read, um, uh, Shroud of Night, was they're kind of like it was an independent war band right basically like we are here to survive and maybe go find the rest of our brothers but we just have to like survive this first this actually starts the very first page is an order from alfarius himself where it's been redacted so i guess in the inquisition got a hold of it where he is basically saying that everything we do is for the emperor um and so it starts off with with that and it's actually about one of these war bands where he's like trying he's out to try to redeem his entire legion to prove that they have been loyal since the beginning obviously that didn't happen 
because this book's like a few years old. <laughs> but, well, but it'll be fun to read. It'll be fun to read you know, the Alpha Legion now. Right. Know, the, the loyalist. Like, these are actually loyalist Alpha Legion. Although, shit, you know, they all could be loyalists. They could maybe, you know, just some of them are, are traitors. Like the ones that killed everybody on uh, uh, Frater Matthews uh, town. You know, we don't know. And then implanted him next to the Primarch. Yeah, yeah. Like, that wasn't, uh, there's no way that was coincidental, right? You don't casually mention the Alpha Legion. (laughs) If, unless he's going to do, like, some subverting expectations things, and he's like, oh, yes, that had nothing to do with anything. I still wouldn't believe it. Like, Guy Haley himself could appear and be like, no, 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 that's not a big deal. And I'd be like, is it not, though? Yeah, we don't trust anything anyone from the Alpha trust, Legion. No, no. Clearly, he's working for Alpharius. Or Omegan. I don't know who Guy Haley works for. Because he's kind of all over the place. But anyway. <laughs> a lot so, of people. So that is my Christmas reading. It's going Excellent. to be You're a Trash Vampire and Loyalist Alpha Legion. <laughs> nice! <laughs> With demons on their backs. But let's not look at that. <laughs> They're going to show up and be like, no, 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 the demons are super helpful sometimes. <laughs> kind of like the uh, Tutelaries that uh, the thousand, le- thousand Sons had. Oh, man. Why are these things not listening to us anymore? Well, well funny story. Yeah. <laughs> not so funny story. You want to take us out, Carrie? Yes, I, I will. But I will uh, start by saying that we do have an announcement and that just in a, though after the holidays, we will be doing a very special award show. Yes. Uh, next Sunday. Yes. Yep. Next. Yep. Ne- next Sunday. So it'll be a very special little award show to kind of go over the books that we have read this year. And then when we come back, we'll do our what we've been reading over Christmas vacation before we start. The Lords of Silence by Chris Rate. <laughs> We're just gonna well end about the year, Carrie's favorite Legion. We'll end the year with Chris Rate, and then we'll start the year with Chris Rate. So that'll be fun. <laughs> I was gonna make some sort of like oh Chris, okay Chris like, Mus joke. No, nice. I like it. Yeah, you're all and, and it just I just now got the my favorite Legion. I was like, what are you talking about? Oh. Right. The boobos. You know, the boobos bother you, not me. God, you know, they do. It's such a gross word. It's It's, worse than moist. It's the sacks of awful. (laughs) But that's Andy Clark. It was that. That's true. And the the whale bombs, I guess. Oh, I loved the whales. I thought the whales were great. That was so nasty. I could almost, like, hear it as it landed. Just, oh, just so gross. Oh, that was so great. Anyway. So, but anyway, thank you all. You've listened to the Warhammer 40k book club ep- episode regarding Vaults of Terra, the Carrion Throne by Chris Rate. Oh, please, if Chris, if you listen to this, please let us know if it's Chris Rate or Chris Wright. Please, because I feel so bad. I look at the last name and I'm like, oh no, it should be really easy. But anyways, please help our ignorant American ways. Be sure to join us for our next book where we talk about what we read over our holiday break. And we are an official book club, not affiliated with the Black Library or any of its affiliates. You can find both the vidcast and the podcast on our website, wh40kbookclub.com. 
If you like this episode, please like, subscribe, give a review, and all those things to the vidcast on YouTube or the podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. Our site also has articles about our adventures in reading other Warhammer 40k books and short stories outside of the book club books, so please stay a while and read from a crag. All right, I'm going to say Merry Sanguinala to everybody. <laughs> Happy Sanguinala! He All died right. for your sins. So that you don't have to? No, that just sounded stupid. All right, good night. <laughs> <laughs>